So let's dive in. Let's see what the Holy Spirit does. So verse 18 begins with the word and, and that's because it's a clause that's connected to what comes before it. This, what Daniel taught last week and what I'm teaching this week, it's a huge package and they really need to be together so that we can understand this piece of it. And so let me read the whole thing to you and I'll start tying these things together. So again, we're studying this Christ poem, which begins in verse 15 and it begins with these words. It says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, not of all creation, but over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And... He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from those among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Paul is wanting to describe to us as Christians what everything is. What everything is. So I might be able to ask one of you in the room, maybe Elliot or, um, or maybe, yeah, Lincoln, thanks for raising your hand. <laughs> How would you describe everything? And you would start choosing words like the earth, all the animals, God, absolutely. And you'd have these, these ways that you would start to identify everything. And then if I asked you, what are you forgetting? Then you might go to other places with other words. This is Paul's version of everything. And it's extremely significant because it's the everything that is above everything. So if you're thinking of like in categories, like animals are there and God is there, you know, or what are the categories? Like if you're going to sum it all up, how would you sum it all up? Because that's exactly what Paul is doing. He's summing it all up. This is Paul's version inspired by the Holy Spirit of what everything is. And I really pray that we grasp it. And he says it in basically three parts. I want to say it this way. Consider these are the three realms of everything. And I know when I say that, you might instantly think of uh, Marvel, the Marvel Universe. I know I did. Nine realms. These are the three realms. But these are not fictional. <laughs> they're actually real. And they're extremely significant. And yet in some ways, they overlap, which to me is fascinating. But anyway. The three realms that is everything. And the first realm is where Daniel took us last week. And what is that realm? If you were to summarize that realm in a single word, what was that realm? So anyone to speak it out nice and loud? Spiritual. Good. Absolutely. That's a piece of it. <laughs> and physical. And together they are creation creation. That was Daniel's whole point last week is that Jesus is the source of creation and he is what creation is for and he rules over all creation. And think through the sciences, think through all the classes that you might have had in high school, maybe even junior high, college, all the sciences that you took. Those are all the observations of humans about creation, which to me is fascinating. Science is simply the observation of creation, how things work, how the systems are. Think even just of the human body um, and the overlays of systems that are working in you right now. Thank God we don't have to think about it or something would shut down because we'd drop a ball somewhere. 
but we've got the circular system going around bringing oxygen to all the organs and all the muscles so that everything works. We've got the nervous system that's sensing and protecting us from danger and helping us grasp something well and know when we have it in hand. We have the muscular system which gives us strength to move about and to walk. We have all these senses there and all these things are going on at one time and that's all creation. And that's what Jesus is over. And that's what Jesus did. He created all these things. Take that to the nth degree. Think of astronomy, astrology, um, biology, geography, all of the ologies. This is creation. And then there's a whole realm that Jeff, uh, Jeremy referred to, which is the realm that we can't see and the realm we don't seem to know a lot about, the invisible and the spiritual. And yet it's interesting. That's the, the four things Paul says when he wants to say everything about creation. He doesn't go where I just went to the physical. He goes to the spiritual. Paul was very aware of that realm that we really maybe aren't that aware of, but Jesus also created in conjunction with the Spirit and with the Father all of those things, and he is supreme over creation. Now, here's the other two realms that we get in today in verse 18. Verse 18 again says, and he is the head of the body. The body. What is Paul referring to when he says the body? Good news, the next phrase tells you, right? The body, the church. As I was studying this this week and thinking about this, this was a little bit eye-opening to me, and I hope it is for you today. When God looks at what is today, the largest thing that he sees and the most predominant thing in his purview is the church, the church universal. So the church through history and the church throughout the earth. This is God's central view of humanity and of current human history is the church. He doesn't first of all think of nations. He doesn't first of all think of any particular individuals. Those are parts of the church and those who are yet to become a part of the church. This is what he thinks about and this is what Jesus is the head of. I want you to notice too that these three realms are uh, temporally progressive. So creation is what has been. You know the verse in I believe it's Romans where it says um, he is God of what was and what is and what is to come. This is that same lineal temporal progression. Jesus is Lord over what has been the created things the created things, but he's also Lord over what is. The church was not there originally in the created things, and the church, in a sense, will not be there as we know it today in the future, but it will become truly the bride and one with Christ. That's what the church will be, so the church is now. And then listen to this last realm, the last thing that is stated here in verse 18. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead the firstborn from among the dead. How many humans have been born again from the dead? How many are like Jesus in that he is the firstborn from the dead? I understand the scriptures to say only one. He is the only one. If you read carefully through the passages in especially um, First Thessalonians, he talks about those who have died in Christ are essentially asleep and they're waiting. They're waiting for a reunion between all of the church, that the entire church will be united at one time in Christ. 
And so today, the only one who is back from the dead is Jesus. But this is, he is the first of what we call the new creation. The new creation. What is the primary difference between the original creation and the new creation? The original creation very quickly became corrupt. God intended incredible things. He created incredible things. If you've traveled at all or if you've taken classes or you've just gone to YouTube and considered what creation is, it's incredible. It's amazing. But it was created to be eternal. It was created to go on forever. It was created to live in absolute harmony with God and his goodness. It was to be dominated by love. Love was to be the primary characteristic of human interaction. Is that true today? No. <laughs> Very easy, quick answer. No, it's not at all. Would you like it to be? Is it actually pretty deep in your heart that, yes, I would like that? That's in every human heart. That's a part of this creation image that every human began with. We call it Imago Dei, God image, image of God. And it's that, that nature of love, and it's what we desire. New creation is exactly that. New creation is everything that our Imago Dei imagines and longs for coming true. New creation is a reality coming when all of the things that break our hearts, that make us afraid, that make us not want to be in any situation or be a part of what's going on, that is all taken away. That is all taken away. New creation is the life that you and I long for and that we imagine and that at times we feel so far away from. Jesus is Lord of creation he is Lord of the church, and he is Lord of the new creation. And in Paul's mind, that is everything. And all of this is to say that Jesus, who was born as a child, the story that we're about to rehearse here at Christmas again, who lived a vulnerable life for 33 years, and whose life was taken from him through a false trial and through murder, that Jesus is the supreme ruler of all three realms. I hope you can absorb that right now. I'm grateful that we can experience Jesus as friend. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. We can experience Jesus individually as one person sitting alone in our favorite spot praying to him. We can experience Jesus as someone who responds to a request. And that same Jesus is the supreme ruler of all realms. I don't know about you, but I find it humanly hard to hold those two together at the same time. I sense the friendship and the intimacy and the, you know, hey, Jesus, would you make me a sandwich sometimes? I mean, I mean that's the prayer we pray sometimes, right? Like, Jesus, I need something. Could you get it for me? Right? You ever pray a prayer like that? Maybe we haven't identified it that way, but it's kind of, God, I need this. Could you do that for me? And the Jesus who, who functions in that way, who identifies with you in that way, is the Jesus who is the supreme ruler of all that has been, all that is, which is primarily the church, and all that will be. For me, this word from Paul 
this Christ poem lifts me above everything else that I consider everything. You might find it easy to say today, it seems like everything is going wrong. It seems like everything is broken. And then we can make a list, and it's kind of convincing because it's long enough that it feels like everything. But in Christ, we are called to a place that is above that. Later on in Colossians, Paul will say, set your hearts on things above. And he doesn't just mean this narrow idea of some ecclesiastical heaven far away. He means set your hearts on things that are above where Christ is as supreme over creation, over the church, and over the new creation. Set your heart there. And then he says, set your mind there. Don't watch too much of the news, and don't read too many articles, and don't watch too many movies on Netflix, because you need to give some space to give your mind to what's above, where Jesus is. What is he doing? How is he working? How is he calling you to work? Here's the, the thing I want to land with today to really encourage you to lay hold of this, is that new creation has already begun. And though physically, no one has been raised from the dead to live eternally other than Jesus Christ, we will be, and those that we love who have gone before us, they will be. But even though our bodies aren't there yet, Jesus has granted us access in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits to live within the new creation now. And that, friends, is essentially what the church is all about. The church is a community that functions now within the realities of the new creation. We don't do it really well, <laughs> but we're always, God willing, doing a, a little better every day and a little better every week. I pray that each one of you has, has time each day where you're setting your heart and mind on this reality that you are a part of the church the bodily expression of Jesus Christ. And certainly not alone. We can't be too individualistic about this. This is a group thing. That's why we gather. We collectively together are the body, the physical expression, the presence in the world of Jesus Christ. And we are invited into this kind of shalom community where things are beginning to be right. I would say that my primary dominant experience of you all is love. I believe that my experiences with you have been generally good intentions and that you don't want to harm me or my family, but that you actually wish for, pray for, and contribute to my well-being and to my family's well-being. I can't say that about my neighborhood. I can't say that about those over us politically. I can say that about you. Jesus is the head of the church, and this is where he is leading us. Ah, that is kind of good news, isn't it? Kind of. No, not kind of. <laughs> Come on, man. That's incredible news. Friends, this is where we are today. This is where we exist, and we are invited moment by moment to partner in step with the Holy Spirit to be dispensers of the kingdom of God experience, to be dispensers of the Jesus experience. That's what we're invited into. 
How do we stay there? How do we keep our mind there? How do we keep our heart there? The scriptures say, guard your heart. And I want to challenge you as we get into this next week and as this freeze sets in, and as we go through another week of, well, I don't know what this is, the 20th week, the 50th week, I haven't even kept track. Let's not let ourselves feel continually restricted. Let's go the other direction. Let's press through. The other day I was uh, at Tigard uh, to teach, and that morning Michael Wagner was there leading worship, and they don't have screens, and so Michael had to wear a mask. You could not tell that Michael was wearing a mask. He was just as full of energy and faith and love and hope and joy, and he sang just as loud. I just You couldn't tell he was wearing a mask. And that picture to me, I just wanted to take a picture and show it to you. Look at that. We can do this. We've got it. If we can't push through a mask, we are weak. <laughs> if we can't push through some limitations, we're letting ourselves be weak. But the good news is Jesus is the supreme ruler of this realm. And he offers his strength to us. That's earlier in Colossians 1. By his strength. By his strength. And that's what he offers to us. Let's turn our, our hearts and even our bodies to the table, to the juice and to the bread. This is where it began, and I love the song that we got to start worshiping with this morning. Your forgiveness makes all the difference. Again, we covered those verses just recently, the forgiveness of sin. And this is where it all starts. And this what opens, is what opens the door to us experiencing the realm of the body because Jesus gave his body for us. Let's open up this uh, communion here in the room. And if you're at home, I hope you have what you've chosen today to use to remember Jesus. Let's take that in our hand and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that the three realms that we've talked about are true and they're real. That they are true existing created realms that you, Jesus, are the God of what has been, all that has been created. Jesus, you are the Lord of what is your church in this world for your glory. Jesus, you are the Lord of what will be, of the new creation. Our hearts are leaning into the new creation today, Lord Jesus. So we stop and we thank you again that through forgiveness, we have access to the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit, and to the new creation. Thank you, Jesus. We remember you with this bread. And then let's take the cup. Jesus, we lift up this cup thanking you that the original covenant showed us that we don't have the strength or the will to obey. So you created a new covenant that gave us the will and gave us the way in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us your spirit so that we might walk in obedience by faith. We remember your sacrifice and we make that covenant again with you that we will walk by faith, not by human strength, not by will, but by faith in you, by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.